politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for every issue that matters in the way it matters at the time it matters. Indeed, we don't have attention deficit disorder here. We actually focus on the task at hand. Welcome back here. Daniel Horowitz back in the house for Wednesday, and we're already in, in the middle of the week, and we're plotting out for this really potentially auspicious month. This is the month that we should have our cathartic moment, that we should force a brinkmanship, force a national discussion amidst all of the fatigue from all the politics and weird happenings to actually focus on life, liberty, property, culture, borders, sovereignty, justice, all of the things ailing us, economy, And we have this budget brinkmanship. It's not just the budget. We have all these reauthorization bills. This is when we need the focus. But when you look carefully, that's the last thing that conservative fake media talks about. It's everything that doesn't matter in the way it doesn't matter at the time it doesn't matter. So we're going to have Congressman Chip Rory coming up soon to preview all the fights that he's going to lead and get involved in. Uh, to, to actually force us to focus. But you could just tell there is no focus on anything. Who's the biggest voice in conservative media? Well, I mean, it's regarded as Tucker Carlson. He had this random guy on saying he engaged in sodomy with Barack Obama back in the day. And I was thinking to myself, that is the embodiment of conservative media. It's not just the uh, salaciousness, the soap opera over substance, over what we actually need to do to save our civilization. But it's always yesterday's issue over today's issue. And I think that's a good way to preface this budget fight and all the other policy fights we're up with, we're up against, uh, this whole business of of Tucker, I want to just spend a couple minutes on that before getting to the main enchilada, but as always, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Uh, send this show to every one of your friends and relatives. This is like none other, I promise you, whether you agree or disagree with me. It certainly won't be the typical talking points you hear. And same thing for our advertisers, by the way. Uh, we have great advertisers on this show. Um, I used to hate falling asleep in the summer. No matter how low I would turn down the air conditioning, I'd get really hot. That's why I want to introduce you guys to Miracle Made Sheets. Uh, Go to trymiracle.com slash conservative. These are the best sheets you'll ever have. They use silver-infused fabrics that makes temperature-regulating bedding so you could sleep at the really the perfect temperature all night long this is the first time I finally haven't sweated uh, overnight. And and by the way, even if you do sweat, the other good thing about this is it's self-cleaning. The, the silver prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, uh, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresher three times longer. Eventually, you got to wash it, but not nearly as often, which, by the way, is great when you have four kids. They're, they have luxurious comfort. It's so hard to get out of bed with them. That's the only problem. But they're really much cheaper than these other luxurious bedding that are hundreds of hundreds of, of dollars. So you go to trymiracle.com slash conservative. And here's the deal. If you order today, you can save over 40% off. And if you use our promo code conservative at checkout, you'll get three free towels of the same quality and save an extra 20% off. So you got to bake that into the price there. Uh, they also have a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, if you feel it doesn't live up to our hype, then you can you send it back 100% free. But right now, upgrade your sleep. Everything works off of your sleep. Uh, with Miracle Made, go to trymiracle.com slash conservative, and then use promo code conservative to claim your free offer of three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash conservative. So, folks, speaking of trying things and experimenting, so Tucker was talking about this 
guy, I forget his name, that claims Obama was gay and and gay and, and tried crack cocaine and sodomy uh, with him. And I'm watching this, not really watching it, but just see the 30-second clip people were passing around and thinking, man, you know, presumably, why is he bringing this up? Presumably because on the right or fake right, we still believe sodomy is a sin. I mean, I do. Um, I thought I was the only one left who did because everyone's all into it. So that's presumably your thing. Otherwise, well, what's wrong? So what if he did? Well, it's because we believe it's an egregious sin. So why are you focusing on a former president who's a radical Democrat that we know, we all knew he did this. There's nothing new about that. Versus your own side, Tucker, the man you're promoting that held a celebration at Mar-a-Lago commemorating the Democrat Biden bill pushing sodomy marriage on the red states that all the MAGA dignitaries attended. Why aren't you worried about his ties to Rick Greenell and Bruce Jenner in Trump helping normalize, normalize this behavior? On the right, on the hard right. You see what I'm saying? If you're bothered by something, you should be the most bothered when it's the person closely or the closest aligned with you that's promoting that. Rick Greenell and Bruce Jenner are the top people in Trump's orbit. They celebrated gay marriage at a time when we're winning on this. You're in partnership with Don Jr., who literally pissed on probably the most successful boycott ever with with Bud Light that's successful to this day. What's up with that? This is a classic example. Oh, ha, 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 Barack Obama is a, is a fag. Ha, ha, ha. Well, yeah, <laughs> so is your, your side. It's full of that. It's always about the Democrats, the media, even now the Democrats of yesteryear that are out of power but never about the Republicans that you influence that are in power, either because they control the Republican Party, they control the House, they control red states, never about influencing them. So that's that's what I wanted to start out with today. And also just similar to that is Trump recently promised he would get rid of McConnell. And I'm thinking, again, McConnell won't even last until potentially you'd become president January 20th, 2025. It's a matter of how many months he's going to last. He's done with. He's only there because you endorsed him three and a half years into his betrayal of your so-called agenda. After he had a horrible approval rating among Republican voters and after we already tried to get rid of him once. You endorsed him. You know, I'm trying to, starting to think that perhaps Trump is only promoting rhinos so they could still be relevant because they wouldn't otherwise be relevant without him so that he could then be a hero by knocking them down. It's such a joke. So again, A, he won't even be there by the time he's president. It's yesterday's issue. Now McCarthy is the relevant one. McConnell's minority leader. McCarthy is the speaker. And you're not pressuring him to do the right thing. And B... Trump is the one who elevated him. But with that, let's go on to speaking of McCarthy. Speaking of McCarthy, okay. On July 19th, I called on Speaker McCarthy. I knew they wouldn't listen, but I wanted to lay down that marker so there wouldn't be excuses like there are now. Oh, we don't have time to pass all the budget bills, so we need a continuing resolution. We'll fight for you by December. No. I said... Now is the time when Democrats and Biden are on vacation, command full control, focus one day on the border, or or, or no, one week on the border, one week on the tranny cultural stuff, one week on the two-tier justice system political targeting, one week on the COVID genocide, one week on inflation and spending levels, one week on the Green New Deal. That's about six weeks there. And then each week pass the corresponding appropriation bills, funding the government, but at a reduced level and with the policy priorities we want, and certainly to defund the vaccines, defund catch and release, defund the political targeting. And then you would have gained 
clout with the American people by doing your work, so showing you're serious while everyone else is on vacation. And there you have it. But instead, McCarthy seated <clears throat> the playing field. He's even coming back a week later than Senate Democrats. <clears throat> so now Senate Democrats are getting a weak head start. And Republicans in the Senate, led by McConnell, led by Cornyn, led by all these people that I tried to get rid of for 15 years, but everyone dumped on me, and none of these people supported it, and then Trump came in and endorsed every damn one of them. They're actually siding with Senate Democrats over House Republicans to jam them. So think about it. Naturally, House Republicans have a greater advantage. Because you could pass a bill with a simple majority, whereas in the Senate, Democrats only have a 51-seat tenuous majority, and you need 60 to pass anything. But yet, now the opposite is happening, because they, the House squandered their break, then comes in a week later, then Senate Republicans work to give Senate Democrats 60 votes, so now they're going to pass minibus bills. They're going to pass, like, rather than... 12, they'll pass about four with three each. So they want to start off with military construction, VA, agriculture, and state foreign ops, then move on to energy and water and transportation and HUD. Do you know that the Senate Appropriations Committee already passed all 12 appropriation bills? Most of them with 100% bipartisan support. Every once in a while, one or two Republicans voted against it, but for stupid reasons, usually not a good reason. This is how much the uniparty works. And McConnell endorsed the Ukraine supplemental yesterday. And it's all one big happy family. So now we have a weak hand that we're dealt with. But why do we have a weak hand? We have a weak hand because Trump's people and Trump himself dumped on the fight to get rid of McCarthy. Because Trump and his people got you know, endorsed against us in every one of these Senate races. So that's why we're stuck to this day with these senators. I have a very long memory. It's not even that long. And it's still not even getting better. We have states like Montana and West Virginia where we have pickup opportunities. And, you know, we have two Freedom Caucus guys running in each one. And we have rhinos, and they're endorsing the rhinos. Trump made it clear he will not endorse the conservatives in those, those races. So here we are. It doesn't have to be this way. Notice on the elections that matter, the leverage points that matter, the issues that matter, they're never there. Hey, Barack Obama committed sodomy. Yeah, and all your favorite Republicans are sodomizing the bedsheets at, at Mar-a-Lago, spreading uh, monkeypox there, and uh, you have no problem with that. You excuse it. It's all good. It's all good. Truly pathetic. Utterly pathetic. Anyway, let's get our, to our interview. Our interview today is sponsored by our friends at Patriot Mobile, one of our first sponsors. Um, they're celebrating their 10-year anniversary as America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And when I say only, trust me, they're the only one. I mean, there's only three others that have a monopoly, and they're all bought out by China. Uh, Glenn and his team have been great supporters of the of, um Patriot Mobile, um, and, you know, I'm glad to be a part of that movement where you could actually find a, a critical service that we all need without funding things we hate. And in fact, they actually give money to causes supporting free speech, religious freedom, sanctity of life. They have a 100% U.S.-based customer service team that makes switching easy. So you go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 878-PATRIOT and then Use free activation with get free activation with offer code CR, and boom, you could keep your number, keep your phone. One phone call, you could actually share your values and get the same service. Again, join the movement today at patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 878 Patriot. So when you talk about men of the times who know what ought to be done, well, there's one person where there's no ambiguity. That's our good old friend here, Congressman Chip Roy from Texas 21, who seems to be in every fight, every fight, every budget fight, every legislative fight. Uh, he's on rules committees, on judiciary. He's constantly making those play calls, writing letters to uh, his 
colleagues, whether it's the COVID shots, whether it's the border, whether it's the weaponization, this is not just talking point deep. This is a real problem. We really need to address this. And this is really the Super Bowl. It's it's this month. It's not the presidential election. We'll be dead by then. This is the time to create that cathartic inflection moment on any one of these things. And unfortunately, I don't I don't see much about it. There's a lot of excitement in politics, everything except for what actually matters in the way it matters at the time it matters. But we got this one man fighting for us. Hey, Chip, it's been way too long. Thanks so much for joining us today at Blaze Media. Great to be on, my friend. And uh, man, you could not be more correct that this is the Super Bowl. This is the moment. Uh, the spending um, fight, if you will, such as such as we create one, the debate on what we do here in September, that's the whole enchilada, right? That This is our fulcrum point. This is our leverage, uh, unless you want to put all your eggs in the presidential campaign basket. Yeah, which is obviously ridiculous for a number of reasons. So, you know, one of the things, let, let, let's just set this up first in a general sense. We are facing a time where our own government is attacking our nation, our life, our liberty, property on five to ten things that each one is existential and violates the social compact. I mean, it, it, it's the invasion at the border. It's the biomedical tyranny. It's the vaccine genocide that it just it is shocking every day at what we find out this thing does to you and what they knew about it and Not only aren't they stopping it, they're pushing more. You have the transing of our kids, funding through our government. You have the inflationary spending that that is just creating this vicious cycle that we can never get out of. We have the Green New Deal uh, degrading our, our standard of living that we might not be able to have air conditioning and things like that in the future. Um, you got the military, which is just become a cesspool. Uh, terrible what's happened there. And then you have this nightmare of political targeting a two-tier justice system where, let's just say if you applied it to BLM and Antifa, we wouldn't have enough facilities in this country to hold the people based on the prison time that people are getting now simply because of what they believe, not what they actually did. We can't recover from any one of those things, but yet we have all of them. Did, did, did I more or less get it? get it, or is there more I'm missing? No, you nailed it. I mean, look, this is one of the fundamental problems we have as conservatives or Republicans, to the extent there are conservatives that are Republicans. Um, the you, you rattled off the list, right? My quick list is the Department of Justice weaponization, the Open Borders Department of Homeland Security, the IRS expanded and political, the health tyranny, uh, which you have documented and chronicled so well uh, across the board from NIH and Fauci to all the way down through the chain. The military's loss of mission while it becomes woke and we're going to get our butts handed to us by China. The destruction of American energy dominance with the subsidies and the Inflation Reduction Act. The unsustainable government spending causing inflation and expanding the tyranny over our lives. The restriction on American food production, Chinese owning land, what you said about the trans, CRT, DEI throughout our government. All of that stuff rattled off the list. That's what, like 10 things. All of those are existential fights. So the question here is what will Republicans do? I'm not naive. I'm not saying we can fix every single one of those things. What we are trying to tell Republican leadership in, in, in no uncertain terms is we're going to pick a fight or several fights and we're going to win them. That's it. And if they don't do that, then we're going to go a different direction. We're going to need new leadership and we're going to have a fight inside the Republican Party. It's time to fight. I have put border security is out there, number one, or at least close to it on the list. You know, we're working together to identify multiple issues. The uh, uh, House Freedom Caucus has, of course, border security, Department of Defense wokeness, and importantly, Department of Justice weaponization with a sort of dotted line, Ukraine funding and overall spending. All of that is what we put in our letter. I led a letter on, on border security. But the bottom line is, to your point, the Senate is meeting. They're in this week. We're waiting. We're not coming until next week. We're going to have basically 10 or 11 legislative days before the end of the month. And I'm just going to say right here, right now, failure is not an option, okay? If they think that I'm going to support or give a hall pass to Republicans to support a so-called clean CR to continue funding the status quo 
of the weaponized Biden administration against the American people, they've got another thing coming. That is a non-starter. We're not going to do it. We've got to deal with a lot of these issues. I'm not drawing a red line on any one in particular other than the border, but we got to deal with all of these issues in one way or the yeah. other uh, and pick a fight and win it. No, there's no question. And let me let me just say, what would you say to leadership that says, well, we, we barely have any time. Look, let's just do a CR, but then that way it will give us time to pass the bills that we want, unify the conference, pass the defund provisions we want, and then we'll stand behind it, let's say, you know, in three months. That's unmitigated horse crap. Uh, we're not going to do that. Uh, they chose to break for six weeks over August. Uh, look, you go back in our history. I mean, how quickly did we mobilize post 9-11? How quickly did we mobilize after Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor? We can do whatever we want if we choose to do it. That's it, simply put. And right now, if you want to fund government, you're going to stop funding the tyranny over the American people. You're not going to fund an open border that's killing people with fentanyl poisoning. You're not going to fund an open border that is killing uh, our South Texas ranchers and destroying their economies and livelihoods and funding migrants and empowering cartels and allowing, as we just saw yesterday with Jason Jones, where you've got ammo we're finding in our state, where you've got terrorists and you've got, uh, you know, dangerous individuals with criminal track records coming to the United States. That alone, Daniel, that alone is enough for us as Republicans to throw down, shut it down and risk our election certificate, period. That is that alone. Right. But I can say the same thing for the weaponized Department of Justice. Go fix it. Stop targeting Mark Houck. Stop targeting Scott Smith. Stop using DOJ uh, as a political weapon against former presidents and against former administration officials. Stop it. And that that alone should be enough. It should be enough that we not have 87,000 new IRS agents to target people all over the country. So they're now going after small businesses. They're now trying to say they're going to go after you know, waitresses and waiters to what? Go clip a few hundred dollars out of people's pockets while they spend $32 trillion of debt? kiss my ass all of that stuff every one of those health tyranny bringing covid back joe biden wandering around in masks no 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 why would we fund an faa if they're even going to blink about trying to bring masks back on airplanes or anything like that we should kill all of that stuff in the cradle we should fight for the american people we should take our country back and if republicans won't do it they need to own it and they need to be removed out of the way yeah, because I think I think this is the important message that a lot of people are missing, that this is the first budget deadline coinciding with GOP control, what I would say is post-Fourth Reich. And, and let me just describe that. I want to get your comment on this, is that the last time they had control was, was 2018. And then they just came back in uh, January, and now you have a budget deadline. What I mean by... Fourth Reich is where we reverted to pre-enlightenment thinking. COVID was the catalyzing event of that. Uh, that was the Great Reset. But it's not just about COVID or even viruses. It's about that's when they were able to out and open and say, this is important. This is what we believe ought to happen. It will happen. There's no constitution. There's no life, liberty, property. We, we come, we see, we conquer, we will do. So then that gave off to BLM, where it was just this two-tier justice system and January 6th, where you could just grab anyone, do anything. It's it's literally pre-enlightenment governance. Um, I just saw in Australia this case with someone uh, you know, being sentenced to a number of years in prison for a Facebook post. This is what Western countries have reverted back to. So this is not your I mean, this is before we even talk about the spending, which is just, you know, everything that Ross Perot warned about when I used to read his stuff in the early 90s. We're living it now. Um, $7.6 trillion in old debt is going to now mature this year at the higher interest rates in addition to the record deficits since we're accruing now. That is the inflation. So we're out of time. I don't, I don't give a darn about the presidential election. Uh, we'll, we'll be dead by then. We can't sustain this for another year and a half. And this is it. Um, I would also add two, two factors. You have a comatose Democrat president. Okay, this is not Bill Clinton or Barack Obama in terms of messaging through a brinkmanship. Number two, we lived through the worst private shutdown of our lives. Okay, so you mean to tell me we're scared of a, a partial, you know, we were, we were all deemed non-essential. So now we have to worry about the bureaucrats that even the government deems non-essential? Look, man, the point you just made is maybe the best point I've heard 
uh, in a long time about this whole like bull crap about, Oh my God, he shut down. I mean, good grief. I mean, you know, it really is astounding that, you know, in this Republic, we elect these particular 435 people and the hundred on the other side of the building. If I mean, if you tried to do worse, someone show me how you could like, I mean, honestly, like little aside here, if you tried to do worse than what this Congress does, I'm just not really sure how you could do it. But your point is so well made. We shut down the largest economy in the history of the world. We shut down our schools. We shut down our private society. We shut down churches and synagogues. We had to sign a piece of paper to sign up to go to church because we had everything shut down. Like, oh, yeah, the mission of Jesus. Just set that aside for a minute while everybody trembles in fear over this freaking funerals. You know, uh, funerals were shut down. Uh, it's just crazy. People couldn't see their loved ones. People died alone. And these guys think we can't do without this God awful, God forsaken, ridiculous federal government for two weeks or three weeks. If we dare to sit down and say, no, Mr. President, you don't get a blank check to continue to endanger the people I represent. Mr. President, why don't you come and sit down at the table with the mothers that I sit next to and the fathers that I sit next to whose kids died from fentanyl? Why don't you come talk to the Texans who are dealing with finding dead migrants on their ranches? Why don't you come talk to Texans who can't even afford a house or afford their groceries or afford their ability to live their lives or buy a car or go to work or do any of their jobs, and they can't even send their kids to school believing that they'll be safe? Either they'll be safe from fentanyl or they'll be learning anything that is good for them or that God exists or that America is great. Why don't you come talk to them or screw him because he's a senile, defunct loser of a president. But you where are the Republicans? Where are the Republicans who campaign against this stuff? The question right now that everybody should be asking, will your Republican representative who comes to you and campaigns against open borders, campaigns against the woke stuff at DOD, who campaigns against uh, all of the stuff going on with the IRS, the DOJ, who campaigns on a strong military, campaigns. Are they going to do anything now about it? Or are they just simply going to write a check and say, thank you, sir, may I have another? Because that's what this is. It's the party of thank you, sir, may I have another. And until the party changes, then the party is headed to the ash heap of history. So That's the question right the now. In party September. changing. So, Chip, I was reliably told that the party had a revolution in 2016, and it really did change. Um, but I'm having trouble finding that change. Now, my question, Matt, you, you have a lot of colleagues that I think even agree with a lot of what you just said. Um, but they're they're very into the former president. They they really like him a lot. Some have ties to him. So what I'm trying to figure out is through all these legislative fights we've had, we've had the debt ceiling, we had the speakers fight, and we've had obviously now we have the the budget fight. But I, I I'd be remiss if I don't say that among my colleagues, the number one issue that we mentioned is the prosecutions against Trump. Right? The other stuff, not so much. But but that, you know, and, and I think we all agree where that's coming from and where that's headed is a to a very dark place. And that certainly is a big problem. So I'm not see see, we have we have this guy that really does wield a lot of influence over the House members and particularly leadership. Are you seeing a lot of tailwinds from from Donald Trump? I mean I think the question that we ought to be asking right now is, and our, our mutual friend Steve Dace wrote this very well in a tweet this morning. If, if we have reduced the conservative movement and the Republican Party to a, uh, a cult of personality or a focus on an individual over the principles that have guided us and guided this country, then what, what have we left? That's, that's my question, right? And I think that's the question that we need to be asking ourselves as we head into the next cycle. So putting aside the debate about who should be the nominee and so forth, like where are we headed in 10 years, 20 years, 50 years? I am an irrelevant piece of this whole puzzle in the grand scheme of things, right? One member of Congress, right? I will be pushing up Daisy within 50 years one way or the other, right? Um, 
The question here is, what are we going to do right now to reclaim our country? Because with all due respect, since 2016, the government is bigger. The bureaucrats are more powerful. My freedoms are reduced. My ability to have my children know that they'll be safe and be educated well is uh, less. Our borders are more open. Our cartels are more empowered. We have more human trafficking. We have more fentanyl. It is pouring into our communities. We have uh, a weaker military. We have, uh, we tucked Hilton run in Afghanistan. We've got leadership at the Pentagon who is advancing woke social engineering. And with all due respect, a lot of this is stuff that was going on throughout the last administration too. That's just the simple truth. Oh, you mean you General could spend Miller, like like eight trillion dollars before you leave office, and then it won't cause inflation in the next term? <laughs> and that's that's the point, right? So, oh, oh, you know what is it? Let's go out and tweet. You know what? What is it? Never again? Or what? What are they tweeting out about the vaccines now, or the or the mask mandates, or whatever? What is like? Uh, you know, they're saying how that suddenly they're 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 fighting the the mask mandates or the or the COVID tyranny, but yet that was where COVID tyranny began. It began at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue with the empowerment of Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, period, end of story. And it began in 2020. That's the truth. It then sprung up in many states all across the country. And every state tried to follow where the president and where the White House was headed, where Fauci and Burks were telling And then they started waking up. And there's only one state in the union, one, that has passed a ban on the mask mandates, a ban on the vaccine mandates, a ban on gain-of-function research, and that state is Florida, under the leadership of Governor DeSantis. So my question is, as we head into the next cycle, do you want someone who can serve for eight years who is essentially the equivalent of the terminator of the administrative state, who has taken on Disney, fought back the corporate establishment, fought the education establishment and won, fought to reduce taxes and to lower spending, fought the, the, the Fauciism and the tyranny and the COVID tyranny and won, fought every element of the things that we want with respect to diversity, equity, inclusion, and CRT and all the race-baiting nonsense, who has, been, who has fired two Soros DAs, I don't know any other governors who have done that, who has never wilted in the face of a challenge to try to reclaim his country, his state, for the people he represents. Or we can go down the road of the empowerment of Fauciism with only possibly four years, if we're lucky, with all of the stuff that goes with it next year. And the question before us right now as Republicans is, are you going to put all your eggs in that basket or are you going to go fight right now and defund the tyranny over the American people right now? That's my choice. And that's what every Republican should be doing right now. Exactly. And, and this is whoever you're supporting for president. I, I agree. I just disagree with one thing. I do think that Trump could make the case he's eligible for eight years because he evidently wasn't president before. I mean, you speak to him, and his supporters, it's just, you know, he just wasn't there. I mean, this, this is all new. And, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell, I mean, he's going to get rid of him. And uh, yeah, I guess he was just never there endorsing him. Um, I know you got to run, but one thing I got to broach with you, I'm very concerned that that's going to – so th- th- there's a lot of energy that we're building behind the defund fight, defunding the tyranny, defunding the cultural raka, defunding the border invasion. But I am watching former President Trump and some of his supporters and talk show hosts and then McCarthy himself talking about impeachment of Biden. Now, obviously, you know, just what he's done to the country before we even get to the personal corruption, of course, is eligible for impeachment. But the reality is, my concern is that he's going to use impeachment to diffuse the angst on the upcoming budget betrayal, just like the debt ceiling betrayal. And unlike the budget, where the default is we have leverage, because then it all shuts down, the default when you fail to convict in the Senate, which a supermajority of Republicans will join the Dems there, is he stays in office. I mean, you need to affirmatively pass it. So we, we were left with nothing. Are, are you concerned that impeachment might be a distraction to defund? I am concerned that impeachment will purposefully be used as a distraction <laughs> from our use of the power of the purse to force accountability and change. 
because that's how this place works. So I 100% support pursuing impeachment. The corruption is like I've never seen. Let's be very clear. Foreign states paying money, going straightly, Hunter Biden, $15 million, Joe Biden lying, trying to cover up that he knew about it. There are business associates access to him, all of that. Now we're trying to investigate further where the money flowed. But there's clear, clear corruption going on, and we ought to pursue it. That's our job. The American people deserve us pursuing it, but not as an excuse and not blindly to the actual daily assaults on the American people. How many innocent Americans do you need to see get beaten in a subway? How many people need to die from fentanyl? How many stores need to get looted? How many migrants need to die along the Rio Grande? How many times do you need to look at the recruiting numbers of the Defense Department planning while we advance transgender recruiting videos? How many times do you need to see your dollar going down or how expensive does a house need to get or how expensive does a car need to get? We have a duty to fight. And if Republicans won't fight, why do we frigging exist? That's the question. Like, if we're not going to stand up now, when will we? And if, if they're going to try to hide behind impeachment, remember that in 2013, when we were fighting over Obamacare, which, by the way, we were correct about, we would have been solving all sorts of problems right now if we would derailed Obamacare. Healthcare prices wouldn't be as high. Yeah. There'd be a lot more options. You wouldn't have but had no, no, COVID no, fascism the way we had it either. Correct. Correct. Obamacare fueled COVID fascism. But the fact is, we were able to conduct hearings during that time. We had hearings when we were shut down. That's the truth. That's all bullcrap, or in the words of Rush Limbaugh, Bravo Sierra. It is not remotely true that we cannot walk and chew gum and continue to pursue impeachment inquiry, continue to do our job in oversight and judiciary, and not have a fight at the same time, which is our constitutional duty, which the founders wrote about, which James Madison wrote about, that the power of the purse is the most effective weapon against the tyranny of the executive branch. My words, paraphrasing. That was in Federalist 58. If we're not going to use it now, if we're not going to use it in the face of what we're facing as Americans right now, when will we ever use it? The answer is never. It is time for Republicans to do one thing finally, ever, that they've campaigned on for as long as I've been alive and stand up in defense of the people that they go ask to support them to stand against this town. Now's the moment. This is a test. Will Republicans pass it or not? This is non-negotiable. There will be changes or there will not be support from me or a large block of us for a continuing resolution or funding of government if we do not work to secure the border, if we do not work to fight the tyranny at the Department of Defense, if we do not stop some of the tyranny at the Department of Justice, if we do not push off Ukraine funding and have a real debate, if we don't stand up against COVID tyranny, if we don't do those things, particularly the border, then there is going to be a knockdown, dragout fight, and Republicans are going to have a reckoning. And I think the question right now is, will we fight Democrats united or are we going to have the reckoning within the party? But one way or the other, there's going to be a reckoning. Well said, as you exit, exit question here. Are, do you have plans to vie for the chairmanship of the Freedom Caucus? I'm going to leave that to the to the folks in the Freedom Caucus. I'm not punning. I, 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 we, we run our, our ship the way we run it tightly and we'll all you know have the, dis- the discussions sure. that we need to have. I mean, because people um, are looking for a robust voice, and we don't really find it elsewhere. Well, look, we've got, I've got, there, there are a large number of my colleagues that are doing great stuff. The 20, we worked together to transform things in January. Now we got to try to finish the job, and uh, we'll see what happens here in the fall. But one way or the other, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep leading, uh, Daniel. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out how we organize, organize ourselves here. That's kind of more DC uh, palace intrigue, but, uh, but I'm going to keep fighting one way or the other. Uh, now, this year, uh, you know, who knows what's in store in 2026, things like that. Well, we'll definitely be in touch the next couple days and weeks. This is the Super Bowl, and you are the star quarterback. Chip, thanks so much for joining us today. See you, Daniel. God bless, brother. And, folks, what if uh, Chip would run for a speaker rather than just Freedom Caucus chair? Uh, I, I, look, you know, it sounds like a dream, but imagine if every – talk show host and influencer would rally around that. I mean, again, they can't influence the impeachment or conviction of Biden because that requires the rhinos and certainly the Democrats can't influence 
Democrat primaries, you can't influence whether Obama is gay or not. This is something you can do, and I just don't understand it, why you wouldn't rally behind something like this. Uh, he always overperformed when he had a competitive district. Now he's a stronger district uh, because it, it comes from the heart, the passion, the mastery of the issues. Compare that to what you hear from Kevin McCarthy. This just like bizarre mealy-mouthed stuff. Why can't we push for that? And I just want to add one thing before we, we move on to a couple other things at the end of the show. But one other thing on, on, on impeachment, too, it's not just a distraction, but again, just in the realm and hierarchy of things we could be doing based on how politically advantageous they are. Impeachment never works for us. It just doesn't work because inevitably it becomes personal and we never went on personal. Whereas I think a better pursuit would be Mayorkas, the DHS secretary, because no one really knows about him. So it doesn't become personal partisan in that sense. It will draw more attention to the issue, which is the border. So that's that's the reality. That is the reality there. Um, but but yeah, I mean, by the way, another thing, another thing also, like you would think, of course, he would be chairman of the Freedom Caucus. Who else would be? Who else is more vocal as a mastery of the issues? Um, and my understanding is the chairmanship is up in December. So in a couple months, they they have two-year, just you know, very short two-year terms. They keep alternating. I, I suspect a lot of it is also the fact that he's not a Trump supporter, and that's going to hurt him. And that's why he doesn't want to come full bore because he doesn't want to put his colleagues in a tough position and it's going to have to be someone who's more of a Trump supporter. And again, this is just another example of how we're allowing in the long term one man for one man's damn ego. Just getting in the way of everything that we say Trump supporters want and want to fight for. But, you know, what what are what is one of those things? So we talked about obviously the resurgence of of COVID fascism. And I, I wanted to just get to a couple of, of items that we didn't talk about yesterday in some of the latest data. There's a study in Curious among 33 California prisons where they simply compared people that got boosters to people that got nothing. So that was the criterion. There's no middle ground. I think it's they got that latest booster, the last booster, versus... Um, so, so it's unclear how many prior shots they had. They didn't track that. Presumably, if they got the booster, most of them got many before. Retrospective cohort study, it was between January and July of this year. And basically, among those age 50 and above, the infection rate for those boosted was 4.07%. And for those unvaccinated, it was 3.1%. So a, an absolute risk difference of about one full percentage point. And then if you get above that, age 65, the infection rate was 4.5% for the unvaxxed and 6.45 for the triple vaxxed or boosted. With That's an absolute risk difference of close to two percentage points. So it actually got worse the older you got and the more you clearly need that protection. It failed. So again, this is straight up comparison there, complete lie. But then again, then again, we knew this from day one from Pfizer's own clinical trial. I've always said, that, that, you know, if you have like a million different data points to throw out and a lot of people are saying, Daniel, how do we how do we even do this with, with an elevator pitch? It's, it's two and a half years worth of data showing the negative efficacy, the the injuries is in that at the end of the day, there, there's no games here. There's nothing funny. The, the one thing that matters is all cause mortality among the actual participants of the trial. Because everyone's going to speculate, well, did they die of the vaccine, of COVID, of something else, but all-cause mortality, right? If it's really safe 
and in its effective against COVID, especially during that time in 2021 when COVID was rampaging, you should see an all-cause mortality benefit just from COVID. But at the end of the day, 21 people died in the trial group and 17 in the placebo. And that is significantly, that has some degree of statistical significance, but you would expect the other way if they were correct in any way. And, and mind you, that doesn't fully do justice because after six months, they unblinded and vaccinated those people. So they destroyed the permanent control group. As we know, over time, it only got worse with the negative efficacy, with the spike protein, things like that. So anyway, there's a new preprint, a forensic analysis of these 38 deaths. Okay, the 17 in placebo, 21 in trial. And it's the first study that tried to delve into those people. It's a long preprint with about 13 different um, authors. If you want to look it up, it is six-month interim report of the Pfizer-BioNTech mRNA vaccine clinical trial. So if you put in those words, it will come up. It's, a, it's on a preprint server. Our analysis revealed inconsistencies between the subject data listed in the six-month interim report and publications authored by Pfizer trial site administrators. Most importantly, we found evidence of an over 3.7-fold increase in the number of deaths due to cardiovascular events and BNT, yada, 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 do vaccinated subjects compared to placebo controls. This significant adverse event signal was not reported by Pfizer. So in other words, if you look in their overall six-month interim report, right, that was the published in, in the Journal of American Medical Association. So it does, you, you, you could dig it out. They don't advertise it, but 21 deaths in the trial, 17 in placebo. But they're like, no one, no one who died is proven to have died from the vaccine. The problem is what they're saying is if you look at the in individual clinical trial sites, which, again, there's a lot of fabrication there, but at least what they were willing to admit, most of the people who died died of cardiovascular in the trial group, much more than the placebo. And, and also remember that, that they didn't have seniors in the trial. So these were people in their 40s and 50s, maybe 60, if you look at the, the forensic analysis they did. So it doesn't make sense. You could say all things equal. Yeah, it's a coincidence. You know, a few more died in the trial. But what's not a coincidence is when you have a 3.7-fold greater number dying of cardiovascular in the trial group. That is not a coincidence. So what I'm trying to tell you is they knew this genocide. Pfizer and the FDA knew from before this went into any arm. And certainly after the first few months. Here, here's a classic example. Subject 11621327 was found dead shortly after receiving dose one of the Pfizer shot September 10th. And I would note that's September 10th, 2020, long before anyone get, got the shot. Imagine finding a guy, you have this novel therapy, his body was found at home on September 13th, when the police did a welfare check. So this is extremely bizarre. Guy just dies and no one knew about it. Now, I didn't see the age on this guy. I could try to track that down. But according to the medical examiner, examiner the probable cause of death was progression, basically progression of arterial sclerosis. Like an artery problem. Arteries clogged. Um, autopsy results were not available, never provided. But based only on the medical documentation in the CRF, there is no basis for ascribing the subject's death to advanced uh, atherosclerosis or concluding that the death was unrelated to the vaccine like Pfizer did. The guy died within a day or two of the shot. So that's the thing. Well, he had some sort of a condition. But again, he wasn't 80 years old. I don't have the age, but most of them weren't over 60. So imagine that. Because normally, it's innocent, it's guilty until proven innocent when you have a novel therapy. You have to assume it's from it. Here, a, a guy, prima facie had no, you know, no issues, 
and the guy just dies and the family has to do a welfare check with police. I, I, I can't believe we're living through this. But remember, remember, 55% of Democrat voters wanted fines for unvaccinated Americans. 59% wanted them to be subject to home confinement. 48% wanted prison time for people who didn't get the shot. 47% wanted the government to permanently track them. 29% even felt that their kids should be taken away from them. Carp Lynch. This is what was foisted upon us. This was the greatest blood libel in the history of the world. And there's no desire from Republicans to even push a reckoning. And by the way, the lesson was always saying no. Just say no. And there are signs it's happening. You have the California hospital was going to mask. The workers rebelled. Atlanta College was going to mask the students. They rebelled, so they backed down. Uh, people in Israel are reporting that the Ministry of Health wanted the hospitals to start automatic PCR testing any patient who walked into the hospital, and the hospitals are pushing back against that. But again, this is too little too late. We needed that three years ago. Now the issue is the vaccine genocide and the new vaccines they're pushing, and there's no players on the field to even fight that. To even fight that. So that that's about where we are here. Where we're always too little too late. Always yesterday's issue. Oh, Obama was gay. While Repub the Republican Party is not only gayer than ever, but pushing the trendy stuff with Bruce Jenner. Led by the top Republican of all. See what I mean? We gotta get serious about this. We don't have time for this. The people being locked up for 23 years for doing nothing while illegal aliens go and kill Americans left and right. There's a bunch of illegal alien crime stories maybe we'll get to tomorrow. But the point is, we have this utter paralysis for one man. Notice that I'm not saying just elect DeSantis in January 2025 and this is great. No, it's focus on the task at the time it matters. And right now, as Chip pointed out, now is a do or die moment for the GOP. I'm willing to blow up everything, including the presidential race. I don't care about who wins the primary if we're not going to fight this budget battle. We need a cathartic moment now. Now, now, now. And Trump and all of his butt lickers and boot lickers and all these conservative organizations and talk shows, they should be singularly focused right now on giving people like Chip. And and look, you know, Chip's not supporting Trump, so fine. He's a dirtbag. Okay, fine. But, you know, there are people like Matt Gates and, you know, it's Lauren Boebert and some of these others that are that are more Trump supporters that are fighting this. Give them cover. Why not? So we're gonna have another, you know, Freedom Caucus guy on the show on Friday to discuss this more. But let me know your thoughts. Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com is the email. At rmconservative is the Twitter. And as always, if you could send this show to everyone you know, tell them to stop. Once you start listening to this show, you can't go back to the same banal talking points, the same information, the same stuff. This is where it's at. The issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter. Till tomorrow. God bless y'all. Keep the focus, keep the fight, and thank you for listening.